0: On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, Tesla updates the Cybertruck's production timing, and you're likely to either be happy or upset. Plus, Elon Musk gives a hint about the aerodynamics of the Cybertruck, one of California's busiest superchargers gets a Megapack-powered boost, and more. What's happening my friends? My name is Ryan McCaffrey to my left Daisy the boxer puppy and we are here well mostly me Daisy's asleep. We're here for Ride the Lightning episode 227 for December 8th 2019 it is your weekly Tesla unofficial podcast. And you know uh coming into this episode I get a, you know I spend all week pr- uh, working on it preparing it and I went well we're bound to have a quiet week after the absolute frenzy of activity in the Tesla world. Over the past month or so and so it is it's a little on the quieter side although at least uh, there was one significant story that broke on friday before i recorded on friday night which is what i'm going to kick off with here in a second but yeah it's uh the the shows have been almost 90 minutes long the last what three four weeks so probably not going to be the case this week be a little bit more of a normal hour-long length or so but The nice part is there's still, there's always fun stuff to talk about. And this first story, some of you are going to find it real fun, but some of you are going to be uh, rather disappointed and potentially upset. So we have an update from Tesla, a stealth update on the production timing for the Cybertruck, which again, I remind you, was revealed a mere uh, three weeks ago. So it has not been very long. Tesla's been taking a quarter million plus pre-orders for it, you know, $100 reservations. And the update is this, the tri-motor version with the 500 mile range and the zero to 60 time of 2.9 seconds or less was scheduled to go into production in late 2022, which was going to be about a year after the single motor and dual motor versions the script has now been flipped, however, and the triple motor cy- Cybertruck will now go into production first, along with the dual motor version, meaning uh, the single motor version has been kicked to the back of the queue. That will now not enter production until late 2022, with the tri-motor version moving up to late 2021 alongside the dual motor Version which is unchanged in its production estimate. So, you know, for some of you, uh, you may be. Well, let's just get the bad news out of the way. I, I've already heard from a few of you. If you were banking on the forty thousand dollar base model Cybertruck, and that's you know, because hey, that 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 price point when Elon, I mean, <laughs> for for what a wild presentation that was, <laughs> in all kinds of ways, from the truck rolling out on stage to the, uh, steel balls incident (laughs) to, uh, to the sledgehammer, not, not, uh, you know, just bouncing off the body of the thing. It was a wild presentation, but the absolute biggest crowd reaction moment from in the room was right at the end there when the base price of the Cybertruck flashed on stage, starting at $39,900. That elicited by far the biggest reaction. And so that version, which, you know, a lot of people, that's going to be just fine for them. You know, it's absolute 250 mile range truck, single motor, you know, they're not going to be towing things. They're not going to, you know, need to fully load up the bed, the vault too often with heavy stuff. So, you know, a lot of people, uh, no doubt want that version and they're going to have to wait, which I genuinely feel bad about. And it's, yes, it's Tesla. And yes, these things change. But it's, it's, and then they can change quickly as we've seen, but for, for this to, for this change to happen this quickly is, is disappointing in the sense that, well, maybe, you know, in hindsight, Tesla would have not given any specific production timing at all and just said production may begin as early as late 2021 for all three versions. And then as they sussed it out, they could have uh, narrowed it in and, and updated a little more because seemingly what has happened, uh, seemingly, now this is just me guessing, but seemingly what has happened is uh, the demand is higher for the tri-motor version than Tesla anticipated. You heard me give the stats from Elon on, I believe it was last week's show, where the majority of the orders so far were being split between the uh, dual motor and the tri-motor variation of the truck. So, uh, and, and the fewest, the lowest number of people here, this was, this was based on initi- Elon's first update when it was at 146,000 orders. So they've since taken over 100,000 more orders It's hard to know how accurate this still is, but just as a ballpark, Elon had said that 42% of the the first 146,000 orders were for dual motor and basically an even 41% for the tri-motor. So over 80% of the orders were for the dual and tri-motor variants with just 17% uh, opting, again, here in the beginning for the single motor version. And as I said on last week's show, I think in the long run, that will absolutely flip, you know, but, but in the early going, the people that are willing and, and, uh, happy to put down money two to three years in advance are probably going to be the enthusiasts who are going to be, uh, more than happy to pay more. They want to option up a, a higher end version of the truck. So I'm sure that is a, a significant factor in in Tesla's decision. I had kind of figured, because you know in the past, for the most part, we've seen, at least with the S and the X, uh, we had seen the higher spec versions go into production first, and with the Model 3, it didn't quite go that way. The performance version didn't go into production first. But Tesla did start with the long range battery and they weren't able to, you know, they needed time and economies of scale and getting their costs down before they could get the standard range and standard range plus variants and, and mid range variants out the door. So uh, this is a, a very interesting turn of events. And I've already seen a lot of reactions on online in the Tesla community in that th- I think this this could end up being a bit of a boon for tesla financially because again and this is purely anecdotal who knows that this will actually bear out in a, in a larger sample size but uh, i've seen people with that have said oh well i just had a dual motor because i didn't want to wait for the tri motor so now i'm just going to change to the tri- the tri motor and then i've seen other people out there that had a single motor reservation that said well i don't want to wait another year so i'll go ahead and upgrade to the dual motor version so this could end up being a net positive for Tesla financially. Uh, again, it's, I, I just wish it hadn't, and which is great. And I, I, root for that to happen, but I just wish it could have happened without setting the expectation for those people that are looking for that, you know, super incredibly priced $40,000 base, single motor, rear wheel drive, cyber truck. So uh, if this affects you and you want to alter your order, you don't have to cancel. You will not lose your place in line. Just log into your account. You can go right in and make changes to your reservation without, well, while maintaining the same reservation number. So that ended up being the big story of this week. But there is another interesting Cybertruck news bit to cover. Elon Musk giving a clue about the aerodynamics of the Cybertruck, taking to Twitter to respond to someone and say, "Quote with extreme effort, Cybertruck might hit a 0.30 drag coefficient, which would be insane for a truck. It requires tweaking many small details." Now, if you're not familiar with drag coefficient, it is basically how aerodynamic something is, how slippery it is in, uh, in, in you know, at speed, moving, cutting through the air. A brick isn't aerodynamic. A bullet is. You want a more aerodynamic car because then it will require less energy to move it through that airspace, and thus it becomes more efficient and you can get more range, in this case, out of uh, the same battery pack versus a less aerodynamic car. So for reference, the other Tesla's lead their respective automotive categories the model s and model x are each 0.24 and the model three is 0.23 the tesla semi truck 0.36 which for reference is about twice as good as a typical semi truck now for an apples to apples comparison the ford f-150 is 0.59 so if uh a drag coefficient in the low 0.3s would be very impressive indeed for the Cybertruck and only help establish it as, as a, you know, the most efficient, energy efficient truck on uh, the road, whether powered by gasoline or electricity. Now, will this happen? Who knows? But in my humble opinion, Elon does deserve the benefit of the doubt when he says that they're aiming for the low 0.3s because he's done it. He's proven it with the other Tesla vehicles in the lineup. Those cars all have very, very low drag coefficients. So interesting stuff there from Cybertruck this week. Now, how about the Model X? Lest it be ignored, it's still a wonderful vehicle. In fact, it was honored as such by the Euro NCAP, that is the the crash test uh, rating, the the board that handles that in the EU. Model X getting a five-star safety rating in Europe. Tesla issuing a press release to describe it. They say, quote, Model X made history when it became the first and only SUV to ever receive a five-star safety rating in every category and subcategory from the US National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Today, we're excited to build on that legacy with the addition of a five-star safety rating from the European New Car Assessment Program, hence Euro NCAP which evaluates a car's safety assistance features as well as its ability to protect adults, children, and vulnerable road users, meaning pedestrians, primarily. Model X's top performance and score in the Euro NCAP testing is notable for several reasons. It earned the highest overall rating to date in the 2018-2019 protocol for the large off-road class. Uh, And Tesla notes there, it earned the exact same overall score as the Model 3, showing that our large SUV is just as safe as our smallest and most affordable sedan. Second, Model X achieved the exact same safety assist score that Model 3 got earlier this year, which is the highest ever recorded safety assist score under Euro NCAP's current and most stringent protocol to date. And these Model X tests were the first time an official safety rating organization has tested our new full self-driving computer. So that's pretty cool that uh, Hardware 3 was put to the test as part of these uh, tests and certifications. And finally, Tesla noting that Model X achieved a near-perfect score in the adult occupancy protection category. Scoring a full eight out of eight points on the frontal offset deformable me, frontal offset deformable barrier test—and sixteen out of sixteen possible points on the side impact tests. Well, uh, obviously this is nothing but good news. I—I I feel like Tesla and safety is now—it's kind of like how landing Falcon Nine boosters on re-entry. And then reusing those boosters, which obviously SpaceX has been has been making uh, into a normal thing, that's uh, the same exact way that Tesla with safety is just turning the act of acing crash safety test scores around the world into into just another day at the office oh oh the model 3 uh is the highest car highest uh safety rating ever tested in in this country or that country oh sure yeah just just throw it on the pile of <laughs> of awards and accolades but it's great though i mean this is just great to see you know everybody everybody wants to put their family into a safe car so congratulations i know i know i know the tesla people do listen to this tesla employees if you are on the Model X team, and even if you're not, whether you hear this or not, congratulations to the entire Model X team for this absolutely fantastic achievement. Next up this week, kind of an unusual one, uh, sort of not maybe not the usual sort of Tesla news, but I, I found this and thought it was really remarkable. Uh, this came, I believe, from Tesla Roddy is where I had uh, had spotted this. So. Here's some knowledge that you can drop the next time a Fudster tries to sell you on the long tailpipe theory, which if you're not familiar, is the theory, and if you can hear that in my voice, those are air quotes around the word theory, that uh, suggest that electric cars actually pollute more over time than gasoline-powered cars. Uh, so yes, this does come from Tesla Roti. Now this the, now the, the long tailpipe theory has been debunked time and again in many ways. But I saw this and thought that this was an interesting new bit of research on the earth minerals, the earth materials side of things that's, that that are used in EV battery production that I've heard called out from time to time as well that oh, well, they're mining rare minerals, so that's bad for the earth. Well, Listen to this. In a recent conversation with Tagesspiegel background, Dr. Maximilian Fickner, who serves as the director at the Helmholtz Institute for Electrochemical Energy Storage in Germany, stated that the production of electric car batteries is not as extreme as what EV critics would suggest. To produce the lithium needed for a 64 kilowatt hour battery pack, for example, Fickner stated that about... 3,840 liters of water are evaporated according to usual calculation methods. This is roughly comparable to, to the production of 250 grams of beef, 30 cups of coffee, or half a pair of jeans according to the researcher. Explaining further, Feichner stated that even before electric cars like Tesla's became popular, lithium was already being used in large quantities in many industrial and chemical processes. Lithium ion batteries are also widely used in mobile devices, which are universally accepted today. Quote, I'm always surprised that the public never talks about the lithium in laptops or mobile phones, but suddenly it's a problem with the electric car. Said the battery researcher, uh, and then I wanted to add: there is the cobalt, which is the other major earth mineral that tends to get headlines, mostly from the the fudsters, in that's uh, a part of battery production. Now, electric car makers are in a uh, they are basically in a game of cobalt reduction, as as again Tesla Rotti notes here, continuing this. Tesla has a notable lead in this game. The batteries used in Volkswagen's well-received ID3 hatchback, for example, contain about 12 to 14% cobalt. The Tesla Model 3, on the other hand, only contains about 2.9% cobalt as of 2018. Fickner predicts that if things go well, cobalt-free batteries could enter the market as early as 2025. So, there you go. Uh, if, again, if you if uh, if that study comes in handy for you. Just file that away in the back of your head in case you ever do need it while in conversation with someone, be it in person or online. But, you know, the other part of this too, on top of all that, Elon has previously stated that uh, all that those metals are completely recyclable so that when the pack does finally reach the its end of life status, which a reminder takes a long, long time, that that lithium and cobalt can all be used in the next pack. So good stuff there. Uh, I'm really glad that that was a thing I stumbled onto and read this week. Next this week, uh, let's have some more fun, shall we? What's more fun than Legos? Who, Who doesn't love Legos, young or old? I played with them when I was a kid. My daughter adores them now. And one Tesla fan out there who uh, judging by his username also appears to be a big Lego fan has made a Lego cyber truck and is trying to get it made into an actual retail Lego product through the Lego ideas program, which is exactly what it sounds like where you can make something and then submit it to Lego and it can go up online and be voted on and if it gets enough support, Lego will take it under serious consideration to have one of their designers adapt to the design and then actually put it out and sell it. And the creator then gets a little tiny piece of the action, which is pretty cool. So the Cybertruck Lego, or I should say, I guess the Lego Cybertruck was made by uh, a gentleman by the username of Brick and Nick. Yes, it's as in Lego bricks who describes the Lego Cybertruck as such. Quote, The Tesla Cybertruck is one of the most polarizing vehicles ever, and it's an all-electric one at that. As a longtime electric vehicle fan, I was excited for Tesla to be bringing out their own cyberpunk-inspired pickup truck. So much so that I decided to build my own. Together, we can bring this crazy all-electric vehicle to Lego fans all over the world. Now, in describing the build, because again, Brick and Nick... Nick built this thing. He, he <laughs> used his own Legos and put it together, figured it out. He says, While its design may not be for everyone, many different elements and functions of the Cybertruck lend themselves well to an electrifying Lego build. At this time, only the frunk uh, and tailgate function, meaning on his, on his Lego uh, build, opening passenger doors, a full interior, fold or slide out ramp, opening charging ports, steering suspension, the Tesla ATV, the Cyberquad, and more could all be integrated uh, and are being worked on for future project updates, making for an incredibly fun Lego building experience. Lego motorization, if you've seen this, that's literally, it's a, it's an electric, little electric motor that can make Lego things go. Lego motorization could even turn this into a truly all electric vehicle in brick form. Now I took a look at it, uh, and I got to say it is super cool looking. Nick did a wonderful job and it's pretty authentic too. I mean, it's the proportions are right. The color's right. Like you got a lot of neat details in there. Uh, of course, Nick is aided by not to take anything away from him, but The complete lack of any curved lines on the real Cybertruck certainly helped the Lego version that Nick has built uh, look more realistic. Nick needs 10,000 supporters to get this in front of Lego to get it actually, possibly, maybe made. Now, as of Wednesday, when I found this story and added it to my show notes for the week, it was already at 1,600 supporters in just a few days so off to a good start but a long way to go so if you would like to see this and possibly support it and supporting it is basically means you're effectively signing an online petition so it doesn't cost anything though you do need to make an account on the lego site just for full transparency so if you want to see it and or support it go to ideas.lego.com and do a search for Tesla Cybertruck. Unfortunately, they don't have like a nice clean URL like ideas.lego.com/cybertruck. So, you got to just go on the, the main site there, ideas.lego.com and just use the search field for Tesla Cybertruck and you will see it right away. So, Nick, I wish you good luck. This is awesome stuff. Uh next this week, in fact, finally the last news item I have for you. This one was all over the Tesla Reddit over the past week, and it was originally posted on Twitter by Brian Swenson. So over the super busy Thanksgiving week, Tesla deployed a mega pack powered portable bank of superchargers to at least one of the very busy California superchargers during that holiday week down in San Luis Obispo. It was a set of 125 kilowatt superchargers. So uh, 125 kilowatt for, for reference is what V2 supercharging speed used to be before it got bumped up to 150. So effectively, you know, it's, it's a generation one V2, uh, if that makes any sense. But the, the set of them and it's eight superchargers came on the back of a semi-truck. So on a tractor trailer, And uh, as I said, are powered by a Tesla Megapack battery system on the back of that same semi-truck trailer with the superchargers. Now, Brian claims, I presume he spoke to a Tesla rep or somebody that was there. Brian on Twitter claims that it has, uh, the Megapack has enough power to charge a hundred cars. So that's pretty, I mean, that's, that's pretty effective. I mean, that's probably... I don't know how many cars come through the super, uh, you know, or at least I've never been to San Luis Obispo, uh, the the town or the supercharger, but you know I've got to figure a hundred cars. That's so that probably helps for helps alleviate congestion at that charger for I would think it maybe half the day, like at least a few hours I would suspect, if not a little longer. But um, I have to say, I feel like this might even be a, a an even better solution than what i saw last year at a couple of my supercharger stops during my trip to arizona over the holidays where uh there were an extra two superchargers on what was obviously a a temporary platform that tesla had dropped off in in again some certain parking lots i can't remember which uh, station that was at it was (laughs) it was somewhere between san francisco and arizona obviously we, all I remember is it was late at night and I was very hungry, so I don't remember where exactly we were. But anyway, um, you know, Tesla is going to need more of these during the week before and that week after Christmas as people do more holiday travel. Now, a uh, listener and friend of mine, Sofian, told me that he went through Kettleman City just before Thanksgiving and over there, you know, remember I had mentioned this on the podcast that the, that a V three upgrade was coming to Kettleman City, and it, it is it is done, or at least uh, it it has something has been done because sixteen of the forty chargers at Kettleman have been upgraded to V three. So I say that w- without uh, an air of authority or def- or sort of uh, finality to it, I guess. Because I really hope that Tesla does another wave of the chargers at Kettleman soon. Because Kettleman is quite the busy uh, thoroughfare. It, it is it is a very busy stop. I mean, it's it's the coolest Tesla supercharger I've ever been to, with the lounge and the the barista and the the, the little the little merchandise store with Kettleman City specific merch, and it's cool. I love it there. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of people moving through. So hopefully Tesla will do maybe another bank of eight of them would be nice just to, you know, maybe get it up to 24 of the 40, a little over half. I don't know, but I'm not sure what the, the answer to that will be. But, um, cause I, I had heard that there were still some lines, even at the 40 stall Kettleman City supercharger during that Thanksgiving week. But nevertheless, I think this, uh, this, mega charger on wheels is uh, a really inventive solution because if you're tesla and you and and these certain supercharger stations are only super duper busy for like two percent of the year doing it this way is probably cheaper than installing more permanent chargers that are going to sit idle for much of the year now on this note Uh, I wanted to just kind of, while we're talking superchargers and and V3s and holiday travel, I wanted to give a quick shout out and thank you to a Twitter user who goes by the name of Mr. Bojangles uh, for letting me know that my aforementioned upcoming holiday drive to Arizona might be made a bit easier because uh, I had thought that Kettleman City would be my only chance to do some V3 supercharging on that San Francisco to Arizona trip but a new 8-stall, and they're all V3s, so 8-stall V3 supercharger has just opened up in Arenberg, Arizona, which is just 11 miles west of Quartzite, which itself is getting 28 V3 superchargers. Now, Arenberg is, as I said, it's open now, and fingers crossed, <laughs> fingers crossed, that quartzite gets its upgrade in the next couple weeks here before Christmas as well. I, if you've listened to me for a long time, or I guess it, since since I did that drive last year, you may remember me saying that quartzite is my least favorite supercharger that I have visited thus far as a Tesla owner. It is uh, in the middle of nothing. There is nothing there except a Carl's Jr., which was uh, it's not a. 24-hour one. So it was closed by the time I got there uh, on my on my drive to Arizona last year, which meant there was nowhere, there was no restroom facility uh, easily available. So um, yeah, that was that was a rough one. And then on my way back, I think one or two of the stalls were down. So uh, thankfully, it wasn't crowded when I went. But I, I have seen pictures of Quartzite being very busy because... Uh, if you, if you're not familiar, and and as I learned, you basically, no matter which Tesla you own, except, I mean, maybe at this point, the long range model S at 373 miles, but you basically have to stop, or you, you used to have to stop at quartzite because even though it's not mileage wise, too far outside of the greater Phoenix area as you're heading East. So from California to, to Phoenix, uh, You're going, you are gaining a lot of elevation. Like you don't feel it really, but, uh, Phoenix is actually is, is pretty high. It's like 3,500 feet elevation and you're going from effectively sea level. So you're doing a a pretty substantial climb slowly and there's uh, often a a big headwind right there. So, you know, your, your range gets eaten alive between quartzite or, you know, just in that stretch, but, uh, heading into Phoenix and so you you almost have to stop at quartzite. So now with, with Ehrenberg right there with eight V3 stalls and then Quartzite getting a big upgrade, that should help alleviate things quite a lot if you're driving between Phoenix and Los Angeles or you know Phoenix and any pretty well anywhere else heading up into California. So I will be staying glued to a website that I have mentioned here before, supercharge.info. They do a great job of tracking. All the upcoming superchargers and their construction permits, and whether they're they've opened yet or not, and uh, it's a good sight if you've if you've not taken a look. So I'm going to be keeping my eye on that between now and Christmas time uh, when I make my drive, hoping that those 28 new <laughs> V3 stalls are ready to roll at uh, at Quartzsite. Well, that's everything I've got for you in the news this week. Stick with me, though; plenty of your phone calls coming up in the Ride the Lightning Hotline right after this. Real quick before I get going with the Ride the Lightning Hotline, I wanna give an earlier than usual mention to abstractocean.com. They've got a bunch of interesting goodies here as we head into the holiday season. A third generation tempered glass screen protector for your Model 3 uh century stickers for those of you in well california certainly but it's i'm sure a concern elsewhere too they got these nice just nice looking but they do the job stickers for that rear quarter that little quarter window where all the break-ins happen you know it it's not a guarantee of anything but it's just a little let's it lets people know hey this thing is recording you are being watched might serve as a nice deterrent if you're interested in that. Also door buttons. If you are tired of explaining to passengers how to get out of your Model 3, uh, there's a nice little door button sticker that's just like looks nice and clean, goes right over that, that has a little door icon on it. Plus their usual stuff, you know, they've got uh, the wrap kits the for the for the center console if you want to change up the the glossy piano black finish on that. All that stuff and more. Check it all out abstractocean.com. Use the coupon code RTLpodcast at checkout to get 20% off of your very first order there with uh with Abstract Ocean. Okay. Let's move on to uh excuse me, 15% off, not 20% off. I'm going to correct myself real quick before it's too late. Uh anyway, thank you Abstract Ocean for continuing to make that nice 15% discount available to my audience. I appreciate it. Okay, Ride the Lightning Hotline time. As I promised last week, the Patreon-only bonus episode for December is up, and it is all Cybertruck. It's all the wonderful extra Cybertruck calls that I got that I just couldn't get to on the regular weekly show. So uh, the callers, if you hear your name... Feel free to email me, teslapodcast at gmail.com, and I will give you a download token. I will give you access to this uh, episode, even if you're not backing me on Patreon, because I want you, you you took the time to call in, you were nice enough to call in, uh, and I want you to be able to hear your call and my response. So uh, Ron from Maryland, John from Texas, Steve in Japan. Carl from Austin, Julian from Cologne, Germany, Jeff from New Jersey, Joel, Jake, Robert from Texas, Tony from Arizona, Dominic from Germany, Daniel from Orange County, Joe from Grace Lake, Illinois, and Mike Falcone. So uh, all of you are welcome to email me. Now, everyone else, though, as I, I think I mentioned last week, you know, Cybertruck, everybody's talking about it, Uh, so many of you called in, which I just so appreciate everybody's participation and and taking the time out of their day to do that. So I decided to make the December episode of the Patreon exclusive bonus episode available to everyone starting on January 1st. So it's, uh, it's out there for the Patreon folks at the bonus episode tier right now, but on January 1st, everybody can get a crack at it and uh to do that you just go to my patreon page which is patreon.com slash tesla podcast and again on january 1st it will be unlocked for anybody to see whether or not you are a backer of mine on patreon anyway let's get to this week's calls call in in one of two easy ways either use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software and record your question please try to keep it to 90 seconds or less that's one and a half minutes And email that file to me. The email address to send it to is teslapodcast at gmail.com. Alternatively, you can call and leave a message anytime, day or night, on the Ride the Lightning hotline. That toll-free number is one 888 989 8752 that's 1-888-989-TSLA and if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday anniversary graduation or some other special occasion you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special the recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more let's start with nash down in australia who wants to talk a little cyber truck go ahead nash
1: hi there i am good day mate My name is Nash, I'm from Wollongong in Australia, a long-time listener, first-time caller. I do have a Model X and Model S here in Australia, a 75D, and I love doing long trips, and for that reason, I think that the Aussie Outback is going to absolutely love the Cybertruck. One, because of the way it's built, rugged, and firm. Two, because of the range. Uh, Although we do have a reasonable uh, charging network here in Australia, it's not as robust as in Europe or in the US. And for that reason, range is king and we do have a vast but beautiful country. And I hope and pray that one day Cybertruck comes to our shows and we are able to test it on the Aussie Outback. Uh, Maybe as a a prelude to the mission to Mars or something like that. We do have uh, a beautiful but rugged outback here in Australia. Now, my comment is with regards to the UI. And now I've seen these uh, leaked photographs, which uh, show a horizontal orientation in a plaid version Model S. I wonder if the new UI, the black interface of the Cybertruck, is going to trickle down to all cars in the future, and the landscape orientation is going to be a standard feature in all cars here on in. Because when I look at the UI, it looks, uh, it's more optimized to the landscape orientation as opposed to the portrait. And with Netflix and the YouTube and all the streaming services coming to the cars, I think the landscape orientation makes more sense. What are your thoughts, mate? Uh, Keep up the good work and cheers
0: welcome to the podcast nash first of all i think tesla would be smart to bring a few cyber trucks down to the outback during development for some hardcore off-road testing i'll bet they could learn a lot from putting them through their paces down there second with regard to your comment about the screen in the plaid s i purposely didn't cover that quote-unquote story because I, and i'm maybe i'm wrong on this but i don't think it's a story at all there is uh, honestly there's really no reason for the plaid s which the one that from Nürburgring, which is a modified version of the existing model s to have had a horizontal screen installed in it now not given the context that this is just being built to do super fast laps <laughs> record-setting laps around the ring now i suspect and others have pointed this out as well that that horizontal screen that you you kind of see peeking up from that picture is simply a second computer or tablet screen of some kind that's affixed there that's tracking some kind of other data from another device that tesla is measuring performance or something else with so in short i don't think it's the car's primary screen again i could be wrong but that's what I think on that one. So yes, in time, the S and the X will almost certainly eventually go to that landscape format screen whenever the interior finally gets refreshed. Cheers, Nash. Thanks again. Let me talk now to Somi from British Columbia who wanted to comment on that winter weatherproofing uh, free mud flaps story last week for Canadian owners. Go ahead, Somi.
2: Hi, Ryan. Um, first of all, thank you so much for your dedication to this podcast. I know it's probably a, a lot of work to stay consistent, and so and but I look forward to, to it all the time. So thank you so much. I have a comment and a question. So the comment is first, um, about the winter tire winter package with the mud flaps for the Canadian provinces except BC so I'm a BC resident and uh, I live in what's called the lower mainland which is Vancouver and then pretty much the vicinity um, maybe to about 50 kilometers north and then east. Um And I agree you know it, I think that it mud flaps are optional in this area. our winters are not that harsh uh unless you know every once in a while it is but when you go out of that um boundary into you know past fifty kilometers east or north it the winter conditions are pretty much just like every other. Uh, province in Canada and they use salt and they use dirt and that all the same problems are there. So it does, I know you have some Tesla employees that uh, listen to your podcast and I just want to say that for owners out in those areas to deny them, it just seems kind of unfair because, you know, BC, British Columbia is huge. It's a huge uh, province. And just that one small corner in the, um, in the Southwest, Section is really the only part that needs to be exempt. So that's one of my comment. And then the second one is a question about with the new hold feature, which I absolutely love. I mean, I feel like now I really have true one-pedal driving. But now that I don't use the brakes so much, um, I am kind of concerned about rust buildup. And I'm just wondering if if you or someone knows just on what interval I should be intentionally using the brake, just to make sure that the discs stay clean of rust. So, um, that's it. Uh, yeah. Thanks.
0: So me, thank you very much for your kind words. I really appreciate that. And I also appreciate you voicing your opinion about the winter weatherproofing kit being offered for free to Canadian Tesla owners outside of British Columbia. You obviously have a firsthand perspective on what it's like there, so as you said, hopefully some Tesla folks are listening and will consider your feedback. Uh, finally, to your question about engaging the brakes manually to prevent any uh, slight rust buildup, I will confess, I don't know what the technical correct answer is, or if there even is one, but personally, I would probably just do it once a drive, You know, maybe towards the end of your drive if you, if you haven't already just to make sure, because, you know, it can't hurt, right? That's probably the way I would look at it. Uh, Samer from San Francisco is next and is uh, an aspiring Tesla owner and wanted to talk about that. So, uh, Samer, you are on the air.
3: Hi, Ryan. uh, This is Samer from San Francisco. Uh, I've been listening ever since the Elon interview, but I've been a big fan of yours uh, going back, way back uh, from your work on IGN. Anyway, um, I do not have a Tesla or an electric car, uh, but if I did buy one, it would be a Tesla. Um, But I live in San Francisco, and my garage is very narrow. Uh, It is a two-car garage, but it would be back-to-back, not side-by-side, so that we usually just end up using it as a one-car garage. Um, As for the Cybertruck, which is the one that I have my eye on, uh, there's no way it's going to fit in that garage. And I would not be able to charge it outside by parking it in front of the garage. And if I extended that cord from my garage to the sidewalk, that'd be a major tripping hazard. So it's just not reliable. Um, how would you suggest that I handle charging my car on a daily basis if I were to get one with these uh, constraints? Um, I've been thinking, well, I guess I'm just going to have to take it to a V3 supercharger every single day. Um but maybe there's something else that I'm not thinking of. All right. Thanks, Ryan. Have
0: a good one. Sam, welcome to the podcast. Uh, do not give up on your home charging just yet. Being a fellow San Francisco resident, I know exactly the kind of garage situation you're talking about. And I can picture the cyber truck not fitting in there based on your description. However, I have seen a number of people around my neighborhood who do charge electric vehicles outside in front of their house. And what they're very kind to do is they put down one of those black and yellow plastic bump things uh, that you might see at like a rock concert so that people don't trip over the cable as a as a courtesy to neighbors to, again, help prevent people from tripping over it or, you know, strollers from hitting, running or trying to run it over and get stuck so you could try that, although uh, if you're going to be using... Now, the, the cars that I see do this are uh, non-Teslas that, that run on uh, thinner power cables, you know, a little, a little lower power. So, you know, I see uh, 500Es doing this. I see uh, BMW i3s doing this. But anyway, yeah, the, the Tesla... The actual Tesla cord is, at least on the wall connector, is thicker So you might have to kind of factor that into consideration. Should still be doable. But anyway, you could try that. Now, the only other alternative, as you noted, would be to rely on public chargers and superchargers, which is definitely possible, but certainly not ideal. If you, I will say this, if you have not already put in a reservation for a Cybertruck, you might want to consider doing that right now. And I don't want to sound like I'm, you know, shilling for Tesla here. But the fact is just as a, as a practical, logical thing, it's, it's only a hundred dollars and it's refundable. So that way, if you do decide, you know, you could do it now and you get a place in line so that if you do figure out your charging situation, then you can keep the order and keep your place in line and be further up in that line than you would have been. Had you not had you waited until sorting out your charging situation and then put your deposit in? I wish you good luck and uh, keep in touch. And I'll be curious to see how uh, how things go for you. Mason from Illinois is up next, and he's in a he's particularly he's a, from a spot in Illinois that is very relevant to the electric vehicle movement that is underway. And I'll let him tell you about it. Mason, go ahead. Hey, Ryan. This is Mason.
4: So I uh, live in Normal, Illinois, which uh, some electric car fans will know. That's where Rivian is going to be manufacturing uh, some of its. I believe batteries are going to be manufactured here, but they have the their R1T pickup truck. And while working as a custodian, I saw a document one day of a mock-up of one of their truck uh, truck skateboard platform being utilized for an ambulance, and it, it was uh, a pitch that they were giving to the fire department here. So I don't think that's been released in the news or anything, but I did get really interested when I saw it. So I was wondering if you think that the Tesla cyber truck will find use by local fire departments or law enforcement, as we see a lot of trucks. I'm from Illinois, so a lot of trucks here serve as police cars. So I wonder if we could see cyber trucks being service vehicles for local law enforcement or the fire department. Thanks. Love the podcast. Have a good one.
0: Very interesting, Mason. Thank you for calling in. Well, the mayor of San Luis Potosi, Mexico, pardon me if I mispronounce the town name there, ordered 15 for city use out of his own pocket business Insider got a quote from him his name is Adrian Esper Cardenas I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly I'm genuinely trying my best I, I want I, I just think it's really important to try and pronounce people's names right it's their name it is you know it's it's not you have you have to put in a full effort to at least try even if uh, you know you can't just you can't just slug that off it's 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 their somebody's identity anyway uh, the mayor says quote, It's not about speed because we don't want speed. What we're looking for is torque in order to haul water pipes, the garbage trailers. Uh, They'll have twice the loads of a normal truck, he said. So uh, there are, to answer your question here, Mason, there are government officials already thinking about this, at least this particular one's in Mexico, but there are people thinking about it. Now, for something like an ambulance specifically, as you had mentioned, i would only wonder if the Cybertruck might be a bit difficult to modify due to obviously it's the stainless steel exoskeleton construction of it but i i, I honestly don't know so we'll see over time I, people are very clever uh when that people have done you know really interesting things with a lot of different vehicles and and i'm sure the Cybertruck will be no exception Let's come back to San Francisco and talk to Curtis, who has sort of a, uh, some thoughts on the Cybertruck's design. Go ahead, Curtis.
5: Hi, Ryan. This is Curtis from San Francisco. You had a very interesting theory that you brought up in episode 189. You mentioned that the Model Y was an evolutionary design that you thought that Franz really took a lead on. You theorized that Elon had the Cybertruck project to head up as a distraction so they could push through the Y design as soon as possible without delay. I think that Elon had a field day with the Cybertruck's design and had his own design team to execute his wishes. With Franz's history of car design, could you honestly say that he had much say in the Cybertruck project? With Elon's fascination with the Esprit and the DeLorean, the Cybertruck's design had his fingerprints all over it. Just want to get your perspective. Many thanks again.
0: Thanks for calling in, Curtis. And by the way, that is an excellent callback. Bonus points that you even had the episode number. I have to tell you that I thought about that again as well at the Cybertruck event itself, and as I I think I mentioned on the initial Cybertruck episode that was, uh, what, 225, I did politely put that very thought to Franz von Holzhausen as I talked to him for a minute or two while waiting in line for my test ride. And he said that it, it was very much his design too, and, and <laughs> we didn't get any deeper into it than that. But, you know, it is entirely possible that the germ of the idea still spawned from Elon's brain, and then Franz, you know, fleshed it out with him from there. I mean, after all, the Cybertruck is using SpaceX stainless steel, and of the two of them, because we know Elon does a lot of design work, in a, you know, in addition to uh, everything else he does... You know, so he is heavily involved in design and uh, of the two of them, only Elon also works at SpaceX. So (laughs) who knows? Regardless, though, it's it's incredible to me that the Cybertruck is now part of the Tesla family. It just it speaks to what Franz told me in my interview with him not long ago at all. If you go back to that and he said, and I'm paraphrasing that each Tesla vehicle is unique, that there isn't really a brand Design language, per se. Thanks, Curtis. Jeff from Madison, Wisconsin is up next with a question about washing a Tesla. You're on the air, Jeff.
6: Hi, Ryan. This is Jeff from the Madison, Wisconsin area. Really enjoy the podcast and the enthusiasm of the Tesla community. I do have a question related to washing the car. I'm not currently a Tesla owner, but I do have a Model Y on order. Now, here in Wisconsin, we can be below freezing for four, possibly five months out of the year. So washing the car in your driveway is really kind of out of the question. Our car washes have a conveyor system where you bring it to the attendant. The attendant, uh, uh, rinses down the outside and then takes it over to the conveyor and it's pulled unattended through the car wash. There are no brushes, so it's it it's worked very well. However, my understanding is that with a Tesla, when Nobody is in the car. Even if you put it into neutral and you turn the wipers off of auto, it, when someone leaves the car, it go, automatically goes into park. Well, I'm curious how you and other Tesla owners currently handle this. Um, I, so what the car wash told me is they have a manager ride through when the Teslas come through. but There's got to be a better way. And I keep hearing something about car wash mode that may or may not be coming. So just just curious what what current owners are doing, and um, that should do it. Thanks so much for everything you do for the podcast and the Tesla community. Thanks so much.
0: Thank you for your call, Jeff, and I hope you get your Model Y before next year's winter, and you'll get to do at least a few washes in your own driveway now that production on the Y has been moved up. Well, to address your concern, there is no car wash mode yet. Your local uh, touchless car wash is doing the only thing it can, which is having a manager ride through there. So, you know, if you're not comfortable with that, which I would totally get, maybe you can ask that you be allowed to ride through yourself, or maybe that that if the manager's got to go through that you also be in the car as well. But Hopefully a car wash mode is coming to the cars eventually. I know it's been asked about, so all the best to you, Jeff. Uh, Tamer from Beaverton, Oregon, wants to talk a little Cybertruck. Tamer, you are on the air.
7: Hey, Ryan, this is Tamer from Beaverton, Oregon. I'm uh, calling about the Cybertruck, of course. Uh, I'm just so excited about it. Uh, I thank Elon and Tesla for delivering this, well, soon to be delivered, incredible revolutionary vehicle it's something that I think I've been waiting for my entire life something so different and still practical and sustainable and I'm just, I'm just so excited that I, I placed an order my brother placed an order we're first-time truck buyers um, and I think that's the biggest uh, market that Tesla will get first-time truck buyers is is going to be huge and so I think their sales are going to be enormous and I think once um people get more accepting to the design which is coming already quickly i think that's when f-150 tech buyers will start buying it but i think it will be led by first-time truck buyers and then as the market gains more acceptance to it and the traditional truck buyers i think will flock and that gets me to my final uh, um statement here i think the Tesla tr- Cybertruck might be the biggest, best-selling vehicle they ever do, um, and I know that's saying a lot, but it, or at least an incredible seller. Um, but anyway, um, I'm just so excited to uh, follow the journey and then ultimately get it, and I'm I'm just super excited, and I, I love the design. It didn't take very long for me to fall in love with it. I was I was definitely uh, taken aback by it. Uh, in the very beginning but that quickly changed and i think that's changing for a lot thanks a lot
0: you may very well be right that the initial wave of buyers will be first-time truck buyers and you know you made me stop and think about your belief that cybertruck could be tesla's number one selling vehicle overall currently of course tesla believes that the model y will hold that title suvs are huge in the u.s but then again so are trucks What I think will happen, and in some ways, what I hope will happen, is that the Cybertruck will do very well and force the hands of Ford and Chevy and Dodge to accelerate their own electric truck programs. In fact, in Dodge's case, I suppose Tesla would have to force them to get one at all. (laughs) And uh, quite frankly, Rivian may help with that too. We just heard uh, Mason was talking about Rivian. He lives near there. Hopefully Rivian's gonna help with that too if their truck turns out to be as good of a vehicle as their prototype seems to indicate that it will be. I mean, remember what I've said many times. I, I talk about how the Model S came along and the BMWs and Mercedeses and Audis of the world ignored it. Then the Model S ate the lunches of their uh, premium class cars. You know, the the 7 Series, the S-Class, and the the... the a8. Then the Model X comes along and it has an impact. And then the Model 3 comes along. And what's the Model 3 doing right now? It is sitting down at the lunch table and grabbing all those those lunches and just chowing down. It is eating the lunches of those same companies' mid-sized sedans. You know, like the 3 Series. So the Cybertruck, if nothing else, will hopefully force all of them, to get on that EV truck bandwagon sooner than they thought, sooner than they expected, or and or sooner than they planned to. Uh, looks like we're going to talk a little more Rivian. Let's talk to Lawton from Chicago about, uh, he's, he's going to comment a little on Model Y, plus Cybertruck and Rivian as well. So uh, talking, just keeping it rolling this week with, with Cybertruck and, and, uh, little Rivian action on the, on the side there. So go ahead, Lawton.
8: Hi, Ryan. It's Lawton from Chicago. Want to count Tesla's battery advantage and how it translates to the Model Y? Battery is one of the most expensive parts of any electric vehicle. Tesla's cost advantage is rarely apparent when comparing two electric trucks projected to be available in late 2021. The base Rivian with a 105 kilowatt battery will cost around $70,000 and for the sake of this discussion, may optimistically have a 300-mile range, whereas a mid-level Cybertruck and $50,000 also has a 300-mile range. So across the board, Tesla vehicles are typically more than 20% more efficient in range versus cost compared to the competition. This, coupled with Tesla's lower battery production costs, are a huge competitive advantage. Tesla is already has an industry-leading or 20% profit margin on their vehicles, whereas other manufacturers of electric vehicles are lucky to even be profitable. These advantages are likely to become even greater if Tesla introduces newer battery chemistries. Looks at the rumors of an even earlier Model Y production and the time of Battery Investor Day in early 2020 are aligning just right. I anticipate that there they will announce that the Model Y will utilize newer battery technologies and chemistries, and the Model Y production is starting even earlier. This will likely mean more energy-dense batteries, which in turn means lighter weight and the company improvements in range and performance for all. Can't wait to see what Tesla has in store for 2020. Thanks for sharing Tesla love every week look forward to your thoughts
0: it's been a while lawton it's great to hear from you well i'm not sure about a new chemistry just for the y because as you know the three and the y share batteries and drivetrains and and a whole lot of other parts but there certainly could be a battery chemistry improvement for the 2170 cells in general which could help make model y margins healthier and drive Model 3 prices down a little bit. Now, you'll recall that in discussing the Cybertruck, I had speculated that the $39,900 base price might mean that we see a noticeably cheaper standard range Model 3 in the next couple of years. Uh, I I cannot wait to see what news Battery Day brings to us. Two more calls on this week's episode. Frank from Yakima, Washington uh, wants to talk about hauling with a Cybertruck, and not the drive-fast version of hauling, the literal version of hauling. Go ahead, Frank.
9: Hey, this is Frank Heber in Yakima, Washington. I just recently discovered your podcast, and I also just put down a deposit on a Tesla Cybertruck. So um, I was listening to the most recent episode and heard a commenter talk about uh, some of the performance with the tow package. And I was just wondering if you had any feedback or if you had seen the YouTube channel TFL Trucks, where they used a Tesla Model X towing a horse trailer that pretty much maxed out the tow capacity. And it burned through its electric charge at more than double the... uh, predicted rate, so that they came up far short of where they were intending to go in their tests, and they ended up having to uh, drop the trailer off, return back to a supercharger, and call someone with a diesel truck to come pick it up. Um, I'm all in favor of the uh, electrification. I think once the infrastructure is in place, it won't be a big issue, but it was pretty interesting to me how how fast it burned through the electric range and what an impact that trailer had on the uh, vehicle. I just wondered if you had any insights or thoughts on that to share that uh, might might uh, enlighten the rest of us. I love the podcast so far. I'm burned through the back library. Uh, I'll talk to you uh, another time, hopefully. Bye.
0: Hey, Frank, and thank you for your call. I admit I don't have any grand insights here, but my expectation is that the reality of the Cybertruck's range while towing will not quite be as extreme of a penalty as what the Model X suffers. For one, the Cybertruck is designed exactly for this. For two, the battery technology on the Cybertruck, as well as the suspension, will be a generation ahead of what's in the Model X now. The X is effectively on Tesla's early generation battery tech, the 18650 cells, whereas the Cybertruck will be on the 2170s, if not something even newer. Uh, Energy density, the stainless steel exoskeleton construction of the truck, the dynamic air suspension, the tires, the wheels, all of it is going to be radically different than what's on the X. So while yes, the range will of course be impacted by towing i don't think it's going to suffer nearly as much as what happens with the x a uh, quick shout out as well to jason from manitoba canada who also called in on this exact topic jason i hope uh, that uh, addresses what you called in about as well last and most certainly not least this week marty is next and wants to talk a little cyber truck as well so uh, starting, about, starting on Cybertruck and ending on it as well. Go ahead, Marty.
4: Oh, yeah, this is Marty. I was wondering, um, this old Citroen had the similar air suspension and could ride on three wheels if needed be. I wonder if the Cybertruck has the potential to actually ride on three wheels um, if one is damaged. Um, another aspect of the car I find interesting is this is a car that could be passed down from generation to generation. Um, almost indefinitely. And and of course, this would mean less cars would have to be built since this one and all other Cybertruck for the vast majority seem to me to be almost uh, indestructible and could last 100 years or whatever. In any case, enjoy the show. Thanks.
0: Well, I'm not sure about the full extent of the dynamic air suspensions capabilities, but you're right about one thing, and that is the longevity of the Cybertruck. The best estimates are that there are still about 6,000 surviving DeLoreans of the approximately 9,000 DeLoreans made. Now for a car that is now approaching 40 years old, that seems really good. And a big part of that is certainly the DeLorean stainless steel body. And, And believe me, I'm sorry that I keep bringing up the DeLorean, but I actually have good reason to do so in the context of the Cybertruck because, of course, the DeLorean's the only other point of historical reference we have when discussing the stainless steel aspects of the Cybertruck. And now the difference here is going to be that the Cybertruck has harder, thicker stainless steel And it doesn't have a frame underneath that could get damaged by age. The DeLorean had an epoxy coated steel frame, but I won't get into that here. So uh, yes, you might very well only need one Cybertruck in your lifetime, provided that the battery pack remains in good health. Thanks so much, Marty. Thanks to everybody who called in. Again, if you are interested in participating in the podcast, I welcome your calls. I invite them. Uh, I think they're a very valuable and fun part of the podcast so that we get other voices on here Besides mine, uh, we can help each other out. So, if you want to participate, I gave you the the instructions for how to call in with your ninety second or less call at the top of the segment. They're also in the podcast notes, like in the show description, if you ever need the call in information there. So, stick with me. Be right back with a few final notes as well as your pro tip of the week right after this. Well, it's been raining for most of the past week here in San Francisco. Literally haven't seen the sun in that amount of time. So uh, the car's nice and filthy, plenty gross. Just waiting for the weather to break so I can give it a good cleaning. But especially because there's the – we've got the – as of when I record this on late Friday night – We've got the little holiday party get-together for the Silicon Valley Tesla Owners Club tomorrow. So at least mine won't be the only dirty car. Everybody's cars will be will be very wet, very rained on. But um, on the note of the rain, and, and I suppose this applies to anybody in a, just a generally cooler climate, have any of you other Model 3 owners out there, do, with your trunk lid, when, when it's a little cooler out, does it not quite go all the way up you know cuz they are it's they're powered by gas struts so you know they're just they're they are uh reactive to cooler weather that you know the gas uh the gas in the in the struts expands when it's warmer makes you know makes them uh, go up more easily but they it, that gas contracts when it's cooler so the, the not that the my trunk lid is drooping but it won't just go all the way like i whacked my head on it while getting uh, I was loading groceries last weekend and it just, it just made me so mad. I was like, I ah, stay up there. So I don't know if it's not the first time it's happened either. I'm not sure if that's happened to anybody else. Maybe I just have a, a, a lousy pair of struts that I got stuck with on my car. But in any case, uh, I, I suddenly found myself very envious of Model S and Model X owners with their power rear lift gates. Your pro tip of the week this week is about USB game controllers for you if when you want to do some gaming in your Tesla. Joe from Michigan, you're on the air.
5: Hey Ryan, this is Joe Willett calling from Michigan with the tip of the week that's related to uh, the uh, game controller functions in the uh, Tesla vehicles. So I don't know for sure that this works in the models S and X, but it is working great in my model three, and that is a wireless controller option Uh, i'm actually using an old controller very old i think i bought this more than 10 years ago but it's called a logitech wingman cordless rumble pad and this thing uh it it is wireless it's uh totally wireless but it does have a usb dongle which is why it works in the tesla so you plug the usb receiver into a usb port and turn on the controller and it works Uh, it's laid out very similar to a ps2 or you know playstation type controller um yeah it just works it's kind of big and bulky but it does fit everything fits pretty neatly in the uh storage compartments in the car so if anybody's looking for a wireless option they can get on ebay look for the logitech wireless uh what is it called logitech wingman cordless rumble pad you can find them used for uh not cheap really but maybe 40 dollars or so all right thanks
0: Love that tip, Joe. Thank you very much. Always enjoy talking about gaming, particularly when it's Tesla, because then it's just crossing over of of my two worlds. Thank you very much. If you've got a pro tip of the week, something you've picked up about your car, something you've learned, something you've figured out or, or a friend told you about, whatever it is, and you think it might be beneficial to share with others, go ahead and call in with it. And you call in the same way that you call in with a Ride the Lightning Hotline call. So again, please try to keep it short. But I would love to, I I like sharing one of these at the end of every episode. All right, let me do a few plugs for you real quick. At Abstract Ocean, I did talk to them about, talked about them already. Uh, I meant, instead, Immaculate Reflections. I am told by Jeff at Immaculate Reflections, he has two more of his crazy Black Friday deals left on a full-body paint protection film. So... Uh, two spots left if you're interested in grabbing one, uh, or, and this he, he wanted me to mention that if you're taking delivery at some point between now and the end of the year, because I know Tesla has kind of backloaded uh, all of the, the California and West Coast deliveries here right at the end of the quarter, end of the year. So if you're interested in the deal, but you haven't quite taken delivery yet, get in touch with him. He will honor it. If you, if you, you know, you do the deposit, you just lock in with them. So, uh, if you're interested in that killer deal on the full, full paint protection film package, drop him a line. You can find uh, the website at irdetailing.com. He also does all kinds of neat stuff like ceramic coating, paint, uh, paint correction, which I highly recommend. It will really clean up your finish beautifully. So anyway, immaculate reflection reflections, they rock. And check them out if you are interested in uh, going the sort of the, you know the extra little step with your car as far as its its look and its uh, and per- keeping it protected and nice. Meanwhile, uh, puretesla.com/rtl. That's the website to go to if you want to pick up a just turnkey plug and play dashcam Sentry Mode solution. It's $49 for the 128-gig version, $69 if you want to go with the 256-gig. It comes fully formatted, ready to go. Uh, they ship anywhere in the world, including free shipping in the USA. Uh, that, this will solve your corrupt sentry mode drive problems. I'm running uh, the, looks very se- the same spec setup in my car. Works great. So uh, check that out, puretesla.com slash rtl to uh it's your it's basically your one-stop shop for uh for your century mode slash dash cam storage needs you can find me on twitter at dmc underscore ryan i'm also on instagram at that same address as well uh, and finally though i guess the last thing i want to mention is well the jada, jada of course got to get them in there because it is the holidays and the wireless charging pads for Model 3 make a killer gift. If you have a Model 3 owning, uh, a Model 3 owner in your family, or just for yourself. But uh, it's, I, again, I love mine. I think they're a fantastic accessory. You can uh, find that at getjada.com R-E-F slash 8. And Jada spelled je D A. That's my referral link, full transparency. That's they're gonna throw a few bucks my way if you end up buying something through that link. So uh, it's it's their way of of saying thanks for for me sending you their way. And I'm happy to do so because I said again, honestly, I I am a, a customer of theirs first and foremost, and I'm super happy with my wireless charging pad in my Model 3. So get Jada.com slash REF slash eight on that. And then finally, Patreon. Uh, you heard me kind of mentioning it about the bonus episode early on, uh, earlier in the show. So you can, I'll keep this short. You can learn more about my Patreon at the Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash uh, Tesla podcast. Pardon me, <laughs> patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. And that is, if you're not familiar with Patreon, it is a uh, way, it is sort of a uh, an audience supported way of, of, uh, or, an audience-fueled way of supporting a creator, you know, whether it's an author or a painter or a musician or, in my case, a podcaster. So if you uh, feel that I have earned your support, uh, number one, thank you, and number two, you can go to patreon.com slash podcast to see all the different tiers and rewards, and, you know, you can pledge, you can support any, pledge anything you want, but there are some different kind of pre-baked Tiers that'll get you some various bonuses. So I'd be very grateful if you would take a look at that. I do put a lot of love, time, and energy into this podcast every week. So if you feel that I have earned your support, it'd be awesome if you take a look at that page. And on that note, let me thank the Patreon producers. Our newest Patreon producer is Trenton from Myrtle Beach. Trenton, thank you so very much for your support. Alongside Matt Kalen, Richard Fulkers, Chase Cabanias, Jeff Anguin, Stig Mickey Jensen, EV Tricity UK. Will Steadman, Scott Gillis, Dennis Peak, Sunil Joseph, David Parella, Neil Weaver, Cos Barnes, Charlie Gillespie, Aaron Appleby, Matthew Wright, John Cody, Ken Kness- or excuse me, Chris Kanesnik, my apologies, Chris, Larry Lynch, Ron Lee, Rob Brewer, Tesla owners, Taiwan, Jeremy Harris, Daniel Grummer, Jeremy. Michael Waddle, Dory and Steve Guberman, Joel Sapp, Lyle Austin, Bill Royko, Brian Hope, Jerry and Mary Smith, Gabriel Salais, David Nondal, Eric Randolph, Luke A., Ulrich Lassa, David Vakil, Rome Strack, Peter Chalet, Lawton from Chicago, Lars Hoffman, Tim Hyde, Joe Edgel, Jason Chalukas, Robert Maracle, Michael Lester, Logan Willis, Alexi Heft, Jonathan Wales, David Brander, George Cassioppo, Wolfgang Obergen, and Pete White. Thank you all so very much for your continued Patreon support. Uh, finally, a non-money thing, but subscribe to this podcast if you are not doing that already, because then it will be pushed out to you automatically each time there is a new episode. That way you don't have to remember to go find it. It's just every Sunday at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific, it's just going to push right out to you. It's nice and easy, so you can subscribe on iTunes slash Apple Podcasts. You can subscribe on Google Podcasts. There's Stitcher, TuneIn, which TuneIn is in your Tesla. So yes, you can you can access the podcast directly through your Tesla. Uh, I'm also on Spotify and then uh, YouTube. Although, as always, just a quick reminder, it's just the audio syndication. There is no video on YouTube, but it is there if maybe, you know, you've got YouTube open all day at work or at home, and that's a convenient way for you to listen to the podcast. It is available on YouTube. Just You can just search Ride the Lightning Tesla, and my channel will pop right up on there. So with that, I wish you all a wonderful week. I hope uh, hope you stay happy and healthy, and you're gearing up for the holidays, got this last push uh, of work in a lot of cases before you you hopefully get a little time off for some rest and relaxation and family time. Uh, For a curled up, sleepy Daisy the Boxer Puppy, I'm Ryan McCaffrey. This was Ride the Lightning episode 227. Happy electric motoring, my friends, and I will see you next week.